0: Welcome to the Labcast by IAOA with your host, Captain Dave Jackson.
1: Good morning, Collabcast listeners. This is Captain Dave Jackson coming to you from sunny Hendersonville, Tennessee. It's not only sunny today, it is hot and humid. Sultry is what I call it dew point if anybody knows what a dew point is it's like 68 whatever degrees dew point Uh, that's pretty high you get in the 70s and you can't walk outside because you just can't breathe but anyway, with nothing about the weather I'm super super excited to have on clabcast today Julie Levine Julie is from Orlando Florida Julie welcome to our show
0: thank you I'm very happy to be here
1: Thank you for being here. I know our listeners are going to enjoy it. You have led a um, illustrious uh, insurance career. And for a lot of people, they think, you know, it's uh, not that long, but it's 16 years, right? At your agency so far. So that's incredible. And we got a lot to talk about insurance-wise and community-wise, some of the things you do in the industry and innovation, because you're speaking this year at Innovation uh, in October in Chicago. Um, before we get to all of that kind of stuff, I want our listeners to learn about Julie. So, from what you told me, born and raised in LA, you mm-hmm. were a Cali girl, yeah, and you have a twin sister. Mm-hmm. But your mom was not too keen on the earthquakes in Southern Cal, so uh, that prompted. And your dad was from Utah. Yeah. Is that how it went? Yep. Yeah. So your dad's like, well, "Let's haul out to Utah." So. During your school age years, you moved, your family moved to Utah. You ended up going to middle school and high school there. And from what I understand, you jump about 20 states to the right from Utah to Massachusetts to go to college at a little bitty school that I had never heard of, Brandeis University. Uh, I presume that's a four-year private college, but man, that had to be super expensive, right?
0: Uh, it, it was, uh, I was happy to have some support from my, my grandparents, um, to, to make it feasible for, for my family. Um, so it was really fortunate to get the opportunity to go and then live in an amazing place. Boston is one of my favorite cities. I was actually just there it last week. It is a
1: very cool city. Yeah. Oh, is it? It's mm-hmm. a really cool city. Yeah. I've been there a few times. Love it. So, um, what's your favorite, uh, flavor of Chada? New England or Manhattan?
0: I'm allergic to fish and shellfish. So, oh, corn chowder. Oh, I'm,
1: so, I'm so sorry for you. Oh, corn chowder. Okay, no fish. No. Oh, I love New England style clam chowder. Oh, so good. The red stuff, not so much. But, um, you know, the creamy white sauce, Mm, you yeah, you're very yummy. Never so, had either. Mo- moved to Boston and can't eat seafood. Oh. No. And now I live selfish. in Florida,
0: and I can't eat seafood. So. And you're
1: by water, and there's all kinds of seafood, and you just can't do it. That's yep. unfortunate. So, college—did you go there with the idea that I'm going to learn as much as I can about the insurance insurance industry because that's where I'm headed?
0: Not even close. No, um, yeah, I was most an environmental, yeah, no, uh, environmental studies major, um, and also an American studies major. So, my plan was go into something with environmental sciences. Um, wow. I graduated in 07 and then was looking for a job in like 08. And for those who may not remember, there was a bit of a recession, uh, in yep. and nobody's 08, hiring housing,
1: housing crisis. Yeah. Yep.
0: Nobody was hiring. But, um, in college I met my now husband and, um, we were engaged. So I moved down to Florida and his parents owned an insurance agency. Um, so why
1: did you move? What prompted moving to Florida? You and Jason.
0: Well, he's from here. Uh, Jason's from Orlando. Um, and okay, so he was okay. sort of moving back home and he was like, well, let me try on the agency for size um, because it would be dumb for me not to try it, was sort of his thought. So he was mm-hmm. uh, he was already in Orlando. He graduated a year early. So then I, I graduated, moved on down and his parents hired me because I needed to pay my car payment. Um, and that was 16 mm-hmm. years ago.
1: <laughs> yeah, isn't that funny how everybody <laughs> has a unique story about how they got in the industry and Almost nobody says, yeah, I planned it when I was in junior high and (laughs) went to high school and college, and it's all because I wanted to be in insurance. None of us say that. Uh, We all have a a roundabout way of getting there. (laughs) So that's funny. So in Orlando, so let me back up. Harry Levine Insurance, I presume that's Jason's dad. Yes. Okay. So Harry, your now father-in-law, um started this agency, how long had D had it before Jason even started to work in it?
0: Well, he was a nationwide agency. So that that answer is always a little convoluted. He started over in the Tampa Bay area as a nationwide agent, Mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. was on a producer development program, which really helped him succeed during a lot of the hurricanes because when nationwide was shut down, they still let their producer development team members um, produce. So he he succeeded. And then some agents were retiring in Orlando and they needed an agent. So they offered him a chance to get off the coast and said, hey, you can take over these two books. They're about the same size as your book in Tampa. You leave your Mm -hmm. book in Tampa, but move to Orlando. So Harry uprooted his family um, from Tampa, moved to Orlando, and then was a Nationwide agent, continued until Nationwide Mm -hmm. pulled out of Florida, um, which was 2008, which was right about when I jumped in. And so Mm -hmm. I've only, I never really knew true independent. I was right there on the cusp of, excuse me, true captive. I was right there Mm in the cup cup, as we were moving to the independent agencies. So it was really interesting time.
1: Okay. And that was because Nationwide pulled out of the state of Florida. Yes. So most people know that about four years ago, Nationwide uh, abandoned their captive agency model and went and they allowed their agents to all go independent if they chose. That was the only option; couldn't stay captive or exclusive any longer. And that happened about four years ago. So that had nothing to do with your situation because 16 years ago, your father-in-law decided, or nationwide decided, to leave the state of Florida, and that's when Harry said, "I'm going true independent."
0: Yeah, yeah. If Jason okay. hadn't been on board. I don't know if he would have done that um cuz mm-hmm. he always said the independent world was not what he knew it was sort of scary but that mm-hmm. Jason was sort of the future and at that point I was still like filing files um right. cuz we had files <laughs> you know right. it was a very different role that I was in 16 mm-hmm. years ago
1: Yeah compared to today yeah <laughs> So at some point your father-in-law Harry has left the agency, correct? Retired or left working um, in the agency?
0: He retired a few years ago and then he actually passed away about a year and a half.
1: I see, okay. So, well, thank you, Harry, rest in peace for bringing Julie and Jason into the insurance world because you guys have really made an impact in a lot of different areas, not just with your agency, but in your community, because I know some of you, what you've done. So, and for the state of the insurance industry in the state of Florida, because you're very active. I know that. And that's one of the things you're going to talk about at our conference this year is why you need, why it's important to be involved in your industry from a lot of different angles. So that's something cool we'll talk about here in a minute. So you start out as a file clerk, that kind of thing, you know, back office kind of work. At what point did you actually get an insurance license, jump in, you and Jason jump in and become like full-fledged owners?
0: So, I'm trying to think I got my license. it It took a few years because I didn't need a license at that point. I was really right, working right. on uh, the workflows, getting us paperless.. Um, we, at the time, were uh, transitioned to Applied TAM from the Nationwide mm-hmm. Captive System. So it was figuring that out, how it all worked. All right. um, and then, I, honestly, I'd have to check. I don't even remember what year I got my license. Got my license. And then, over the years, Jason's parents decided to sort of step back and then transition that um, ownership uh, over to the, to the next generation. Um, like, like I said, mm-hmm. Harry said independent wasn't for him. He, he was nationwide yeah. through and through and, and all the way blue. So, um, it, but it gave mm-hmm. us the opportunity to to take an established book of business and and grow it. Um, we've been very successful, thankfully, and thankfully, and very lucky. You know, getting appointments after Nationwide left was not difficult. Carriers were, were calling us, courting right. us, taking us out to dinner. I was like, oh my gosh, this is a great industry.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: And, and so we feel we're important.
1: very lucky. <laughs> yeah, yeah feel like, important, right? We're yeah. important.
0: They want us. The, they want us. Uh, they uh, want to give us an appointment.
1: Yeah. Those days will come back. It's not yes. that way right now, no. but those days will come back. It's just the opposite, pretty close right now. It is. Because carriers are not giving appointments uh, in a lot of states. So it's funny in the uh, access part of the industry, carrier access, IAOA is involved uh, as a white label program for one of the networks in the industry, which coincidentally was founded by a nationwide agent when they split off four years ago, but that's just a coincidence. But uh, the network folks say they're there are six bad eight bad states right now so florida is one of those six bad states right now california texas new york michigan i don't forget all of them but um bad meaning it's tough to operate in it's really tough of course you guys have had all the weather issues and you know claims that are just like off the charts and you've got you know, uh, you've got legal issues and fraud and widespread issues that have affected your operation. But let's back up to you. So you moved from Boston to Orlando. Was moving to Florida a bit of a shock?
0: Yeah. um, It's hot here. It's super humid. Um, I have curly hair. My hair does not like the humidity. (laughs) And it felt at the time, Orlando didn't feel like a community of residents, it was just tourist junk. Um, So it took me a while to sort of find my Orlando. um, And it has Mm -hmm. grown substantially in the past 16 years. There are local places, the downtown area has grown. It's grown on me, but for a while it it was hard.
1: Um, So from your viewpoint, how much of the metropolitan area of Orlando uh, centers around Disney?
0: Uh, oh, well, it's huge. Um, I mean, Disney's like the largest employer right. a- around. Um, and then across the street, like I could almost see universal studios outside my window and then oh, sea world okay. is just like 10 minutes that way. So we're sort of in mm-hmm. the hub of, of tourist central. So just the, the theme parks in general play a huge role, but what I love is we're now getting this great restaurant scene. Um, Michelin finally came out and gave us some stars. You know, there's some stuff to do here now that's not just Disney and SeaWorld Disney. and Universal.
1: Although Disney still rules the roost pretty oh, much, because for sure, like for you sure. said, they're the no- they're the largest employer uh, and. Know there's a lot of visitors that come there to spend a lot of money because of this big old theme park and oh, yeah, and all the things that you know, Disney World, Sea World, Universal, all they have to offer. So, I mean, it's a cool destination and it's a fun place to visit. I've never lived there, um, I've never lived in Florida, I don't know that I would want to just humidity (laughs) just knocks me out. So, that's why I moved to Arizona. (laughs) It's hot 119 the other day, 122 is the all time high. And people are just, ah, I couldn't die, die. I'm like, you wouldn't. It's not like any of you that are familiar with 98 and humid or 92 and humid. Um, That's way worse, in my opinion. Um, But I'm not a winter person. So being an (laughs) Iowa guy, growing up and raised in Iowa, living in Nebraska, um, I just could at some point, I just couldn't take it anymore. So I had to head to the desert. So now I live in Nashville, Tennessee. It's humid here. Uh, and today it's like the hottest day of the summer so far, mm. so I think we're gonna hit ninety eight. We don't hit hundred too often, but I know you guys can, and that's just got to be unbearable. Like you don't even go outside; you just you just stay inside. Yeah. Learn to learn to love your AC, and yes. or later on jump in the pool, you know, and just stay cool. Yep, that's so, it. Yep. So, my envision of you and Jason with your agency is that you took over your father-in-law's independent agency, although he was a, yeah, as you said, he was really more blue-bug captive. But, so you guys really had to modernize this agency, didn't you? Like oh, you yeah. said, we had to go from paper files to you know, bringing on an AMS system, like Applied and one of theirs, so that you could make it, everything more electronic, more modern. And were you instrumental yourself in that transition?
0: Yeah. um, That's sort of where I found my niche is I I really enjoyed working with the management system and and building out um, as much as I could to increase efficiencies. So um, over the years, we've done that. We've since migrated to Applied Epic, where I've built out tons of automation and efficiencies and workflows and tasks and activities and and everything. and, And I love it. But that's really what jason and i did was like okay let's modernize things let's speed up processes you know now we're going from one carrier underwriting guidelines to 15 20. how do we yeah. handle this how do we keep the team educated how do we just be independent because we didn't mm-hmm. really know I, I didn't know anything <laughs> i didn't right. know how to be captive i didn't know how to be en- independent so i was just like let's just do this and it's worked over the years um i, I think we're ninety nine 99.8 percent paperless We try to adopt or at least test out as many different technologies, really anything to make my team as effective as possible. um, I'm willing to try something out and, and see what we can do.
1: That's cool. Tell us a little bit about your agency, the makeup. So mix between personal and commercial.
0: So, uh, traditionally when we went independent, we were, I think about 90 personal lines, 10 commercial, it could be off a little bit, but definitely personal lines heavy, which was much more of like the nationwide model. Um, our goal is to get 50, 50, but with premiums increasing as they are and just personal lines growing crazy, um, we're about, I think about 35 commercial, uh, now thirty commercial, okay. sixty personal lines, some somewhere around there. It's hard to keep up okay. from from day to day.
1: <laughs> okay, so growing more on the commercial side, your we, hope is that you do. Yeah,
0: we okay. we have been, and, and we have a, a great team, a, a great commercial lines manager, and we've been growing. But then the personal lines side just grows mm-hmm. even faster.
1: Mm-hmm. So in 16, oh, I want to ask one more thing about your um, your agency. So give us an idea of size, like premium or revenue or number of employees, and do you just have the one location office-wise?
0: So over the years, we've had um, one or two locations. Um, with COVID, we decided to just bring it all in one uh, one location. Uh, we had mm-hmm. a location that was acquired with an acquisition, the only acquisition we ever did uh, back in 2010. We kept that office open. It was in a nice area of town, sort of like our other office. So we thought, you know, prestigious and Mm -hmm. good footprint. And then with COVID, nobody cares. It didn't really matter. So we just brought everyone in house in in one location in the Dr. Phillips area of Orlando. Team member wise, I got to count. I never can remember. What are we at now? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. That's
1: a good problem to have that you have to count so, the number. <laughs> so
0: we're at 12, um, but we do okay. have two seats that we're trying to fill. So somewhere between okay. uh, 12 and 14. Um, that does include uh, three team members um, that are virtual assistants um, mm. that we we love and um, have a great relationship with and have been just amazing to have on, on board. Um, Mm -hmm. so yeah, that's the, that's, that's the agency.
1: So now that we're back from COVID, how much of your uh, office is hybrid remote versus in office in person?
0: That's a great question. So Jason always says that we do remote for, for three, the three H's hardship, holiday and hurricanes. So we really believe in having people in the office and and learning uh, from each other. You know, you hear someone answer a question from a client and you're like, oh, I love the way they handle that. Or you have a question on something and, and you overhear. Another team member had that question. So then we all get together and I'm like, hey, let's discuss this. Oh, we need a refresher on this. Great. So we really believe in um, in office. But we do um, have some people that live down by Disney and the commute, the traffic here is horrible. So it's a little bit of a reprieve. Um, we have a few team members that will do like one day remote a week. Okay. Um, and then we have a gentleman who's um, retiring at the end of the year. And so we just, he works remote, uh, I think three three days out of the week and then two days in office. But other than that, I'm in the office every single day. And if you live close by, you're in the office every single day.
1: Gotcha. So it is a little bit of a hybrid, but it's on a case-by-case basis. Mm -hmm. But with with each employee, depending on the circumstances. Okay, very cool. So after COVID, you came back. And did anything change for you, automation or IT-wise? Or did you implement some things that were caused by COVID? Or anything changed at all? with your agency operation?
0: Well, we were already cloud-based when it came to our management system. So thankfully that was fine. Mm-hmm. And we were already vo- VoIP right. for our phone system. Uh, so the transition right. to having people work from home for a few weeks was was not too difficult. We didn't have enough laptops. So we we definitely went uh-huh. out and bought a lot, a lot of laptops, which now everybody has a remote station at home and in the office. So that's something a little bit different. Gotcha. Um, I think we really pushed with I had always really been big on not printing. And I think that's the, the tree hugger in me and finding mm-hmm. the efficiencies. And so we had a team member we were like, well, am I getting a printer or a scanner? And I was like, well, no, <laughs> when you work from home, you don't need one because you really shouldn't be printing anything.
1: Right. Um,
0: right. And so you don't need a scanner because you're not printing. And so I think it forced people on the independent level um, to sort of pick up on some of the things that I had been saying of like, no, you don't need to print that save it to a PDF, you know, people stuck in their old school ways. So it it forced people to to change Um, as an agency as a whole. I think we were pretty well set up uh, with the technology that we had already. Um, We definitely brought in a um, policy for um, online payments for commercial Uh, Mm -hmm. that we never really saw a need for before, but then we're like, oh well, we're not in the office to accept a check or whatever. So that's been great. We're super happy that we now have a vendor for uh, doing the, the payments. I think mm-hmm. I think that's about it.
1: Okay. Um, so do you consider yourself an IT guru, or is this all soft, self taught, self learned, and you just jumped in and said, I am going to figure it out?
0: Uh totally self taught. But yeah, I think I am sort of the IT guru. I, I still, you know, we have someone that handles the computers and making sure they're all updated. I'm not handling that. I'm really handling our software. So any of like our e-signature program, our management system, any of the things that are built into it. So the automation, like we do all of our automated emails inside of Epic. Um, Our rating Mm -hmm. is all inside of Epic. And I just jumped in and learned it. Um, I've been very involved with the Applied Client Network, which is the users group of applied users. And for just um, people across the country will, will answer my question, hey, this is how we do it. Here's my written workflow. I'm like, yes, I don't have to reinvent the wheel. Um, right. And then I'm also, you know, out there helping people as well. So they feel comfortable in the systems. Um, and I just, I really love it.
1: So that, that was one of the things that we want to talk about because you're going to talk about that at Innovation with the industry. But in terms of uh, the user network with Applied, mm-hmm. how, how valuable has that been to jump in and get involved with the user network? In, I know you're on the, the board Florida chapter, yeah. Yep, I'm the
0: president of the Florida chapter currently. Mm-hmm. I cannot stress the importance. Oh my gosh, there are so many things that I have mm-hmm. learned from other users on my board. We have an amazing board where we'll ask each other questions and I get an answer from a massive multi-person, hundred user agency, and then an agency smaller than mine. And I can see how all these different agencies work. Um, and as you always say, we're independent, so there's no one way of doing anything. Mm -hmm. So I get all this experience. Um, I get resources. Um, and then, like I said, people from across the country, I've had phone calls with where they're like, Hey, let me show you how we've, how we do it. This is what worked for us. Um, mm-hmm. if it wasn't for that, I would know where I, I don't, I don't know where I'd be. I know that the transition we did from Tam to Epic was so successful because of applied client network and being able to talk to people. And they told me, Hey, make sure you do this. Don't do that. And, and so it made it a seamless process.
1: Yeah. Very cool. Um, I was reading on your LinkedIn, uh, profile that at one point, some time ago, you worked at Disney world. I did. So I presume almost every, I don't know, I know a little bit about Disney, but you can tell us uh, all employees have to go through some sort of customer service training because that's Disney. You have to live the Disney experience, right? Yes. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so how much of that training, you were only there like a year, not not a short time, but how much of that experience, you know... It can easily be argued that Disney knows how to treat a customer better mm. than any company in the world ever. So, um, how much of that benefited you with now you know, applying any of that to your agency operation?
0: Oh, uh, huge! How
1: much Disney can we find in <laughs> Harry Levine Insurance?
0: <laughs> Looking around, not too much, other than my not daughter. Physic-
1: not, not visually. <laughs> I mean, you know, the ideals no, no, and mean. the the teachings that yeah, Walt would instill in all of his employees.
0: Yeah, no, the the customer aspect, the the relationship with the customer, how they are super important. We are here for the customer. Um, Huge, huge role. Um, I don't think I realized it right away until sort of later on in life that I would realize like, oh, that's something I learned at Disney or um, I do this because of the interactions I had. So when I worked at Disney, I worked in the greenhouses at the land pavilion um, and I gave tours. And so I was put Mm. in front of a group of complete strangers, sort of one on one. And then I had to talk to them about the the plants in the greenhouses and the operations and ask, you know, Keep them involved, educate them, answer their questions, whether I knew the answer or not. Um, and all of those things we do day to day. I'm constantly educating clients. They're constantly right. asking me questions. It's very intimate, one on one. Sometimes they ask me questions I don't know. Unlike in the greenhouses where I'd make something up, I don't do that insurance. I say, you know, let me get back to you on that. Um, And then the customer relationship, you know, being able to feel comfortable with people all around the world that I met at Disney or our clients, especially in Orlando, we had people calling in from England, France, South America, different languages. And that exposure with, with Disney is just like, yeah, just another day. And, but also understanding that people have different differences and because of where they come from. So there's different ways that they may take something. So, just having that interpersonal uh, relationship as well. Just knowing, hey, you know, like Disney, you don't point with your finger; you point with two fingers because in some cultures, a one-finger point is very rude, it's
1: offensive. Yeah,
0: yeah, or you point with your, you know, point with your hand. So you always know around town mm-hmm. who's worked for Disney, depending on how they point. Um, huh. But it just makes you think, like, you know, I need to be careful about how I'm presenting myself or how I come across because every culture is a little bit different.
1: Sure. That's very cool. Um, we had our in- innovation conference, IOE did, um, a few years ago in Orlando. Mm-hmm. And one of the things we did was for all the attendees, we handed them a Disney book called Be Our Guest. Yes. And uh, that little book uh, has a whole lot of wisdom in it. And, uh, you know, it was authored by the Disney Disney group. So, Yep, the Disney Institute. Uh,
0: I have a copy. Mm-hmm. Um, we actually have multiple because I had the whole team read it.
1: It's got a lot of nuggets in it.
0: Oh, yeah. The Orlando IAOA was the first one that uh, Jason and I attended. Um, mm-hmm. To be honest, because we're like, if it sucks, we didn't have to fly or get a hotel room. Uh if it sucks. <laughs> and obviously Good it didn't point. suck. <laughs> All
1: right. <laughs> and um,
0: that book, we our whole team read it and we really had conversations around it. We did sort of like a book club type thing. We loved it.
1: Cool. That's very cool. So um, you talked about working with the Applied Users Network, but you're also involved in a lot of other aspects inside the industry, like um, your Florida chapter of the Big Eye, which is our industry's largest and oldest uh, association that agents uh, and agencies can belong to. So I know you're involved in that as well. And I don't want you to give away all your nuggets and all your information that you're going to present in Chicago in October, but give us a glimpse of what you personally and Jason, what your agency is involved in, in terms of the industry, the legislative aspects, the um, any other aspects that you get involved in, not just to help your agency, but to help your little network or chapter of the world in Florida mm-hmm. tell us what how you're involved and why you get involved
0: well i think the the why is is super easy because it's important like you said it i mean does help our agency there's a selfish level there you know if i can sure. educate my team members on what's going on in the industry so they can educate our clients it's a win win it's fun i know that sounds weird but it is fun i enjoy meeting other people in the industry, that networking aspect of it. And so much comes out of it of referrals or help or just, you know, again, that that fun aspect of it. And then it's important for the industry as a whole. So one of the things that um, and this one, my husband, Jason, always handles is, you know, flying up to Tallahassee or driving up to Tallahassee or D.C. and, and meeting with our elected representatives, talking to them about What's going on in the industry? why it's important to vote on a certain bill that that's coming up that's in the House or the Senate, what we like about it, how it actually impacts the day to day. so don't don't listen to what you know, your're your Congress people are saying, no, listen to what the actual agents, the people in the field, this is how it actually impacts us. So we're very involved, um, that way that sort of, uh, Jason, my, my husband takes part of that. Um, and then we've been very involved with young agents council. Um, and I hate to mm-hmm. admit it. I'm almost aging out. I'm not there yet, <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> but I'm almost
0: aging out of young agents council. It happens um, eventually, it yep. does, it does. <laughs> it happens to all of us. Um, but that has been great. Because when I joined 16 years ago, right out of college, I was obviously quite young. And everyone else in the insurance industry, when you look around, you're like, hmm, I'm a good like 30 years younger than a lot of these people. So Mm -hmm. it was great having a network of other young agents that we can just talk with, understand what they're going through, network, and just have that nice community of of your peers in in the same industry as you. Um, and then yeah. with FAIA, that's our big I association, mm-hmm. which is I think it's the biggest one in the country. They they are massive. I think it is yeah. um, keep just keeping up with anything that they do, the education that they offer, the the conferences that they have. It is just top notch education, and that's what we mm-hmm. we pride ourselves in. The agencies making sure our whole team is educated about products, but then what's going on in the industry and in Florida. That's so important. I know everyone's dealing with the hard market right now, and each state's a little bit different. But being right. able to explain to our customers what that means, what the fraud has been going on, well, you know what the recent Senate bills that have been passed mean, um, just put us in, I think, in a uh, a league of our own. Um, it sort of hel- helps our clients understand what's going on, and it helps the relationships right. with their clients.
1: Cool. You brought up a couple of things that I want to touch on, fraud and uh, the hard market. So you know, let's just say in the 16 years you've spent all of it in Florida and your agency, what's changed the most in the last 16 years in the way you business is conducted?
0: Wow. Um you know, now when we run quotes, if I get one quote back, I am stoked. Like, one carrier is willing to insure a risk, and that's amazing. Mm-hmm. Before, we'd have 10, and I'd be like, okay, they're all about the same price. Let's look at the coverages. Now mm-hmm. it's just like, can I get you a policy? Um, right. I actually, in just sent out uh, an email to a lot of our marketing reps. Uh, we don't traditionally, we haven't always done a lot of AORs. They're not our favorite business practice. Mm-hmm. But in this market, there are agencies that are no longer um, representing carriers. We have where mm-hmm. there are no other options for clients. Uh, we ha- So an AOR is sort of the only way that we can keep everything under you know one house. Or we do have where there are so many agencies that are swamped understaffed. Uh, Right now, we don't have any insolvencies going on. (laughs) Knock on wood. Um, But but you've
1: seen a number of those.
0: Yeah. And there are some agencies that have had so many that they cannot provide the customer service that they would like to because they are just swamped trying to rewrite policies. So, Mm -hmm. you know, again, we don't really like AORs, but sometimes it's in the best interest of our, our clients. So that's something that's sort of new. We would never really do that in the past, but now we're like, okay, well, you have your autos with us, your home is somewhere else, you can't get a hold of your agent or this is the only option for you. Let's at least get it all in one place and, and let's see what we can do to help you.
1: Hmm. So um, that you brought another thing, carrier access. Hmm. Um, how much different is it today than it was 16 years ago?
0: Really, really big. Um, the number of carriers that are currently shut down for new business production, Across the state, or just in certain counties, is insane. We have one carrier that's doing twenty twenty two construction and newer. That's it,
1: <laughs> one year or newer. Huh? Yes, one year or that's newer. Crazy.
0: We have some that are just taking ten years and newer. I think with my house, it's a nineteen eighty three construction with a tile roof that is from twenty fifteen. I think I have maybe two companies that will insure me right now if I moved. Mm-hmm. Thankfully, you know, I'm not being non-renewed at the moment. Ah, who knows what the future yeah. holds?
1: <laughs> right. Yeah, it used to be don't be too upset that your rates are going up today X amount. Today it's like just be thankful that anybody wants to insure you. Oh, and yeah. for for those of us who are in less restrictive states, mm-hmm. they find it hard to believe that it's really like that in Florida, but you're here to tell us it's real. It's 100% true.
0: Yeah, we're, we're not exaggerating. I know as Florida agents can sometimes go on and on and on, but sure. um, it, it's not an exaggeration. And it's actually changed the way that we've had to educate our team and the way that we respond to everyday actions. You know, one of my team members got a call from a client and her first reaction was like, oh, he's definitely calling about the huge rate increase. He goes, did I get a renewal? She goes, yes, sir. He's like, great. Here's my credit card.
1: <laughs> didn't even ask like, the price.
0: Didn't even ask the price didn't because cared, his neighbors had been knew. non-renewed and he was just so happy. And so we actually now have had to re-educate the way that we handle the calls. And it's not mm-hmm. 100%. It can't be price driven or even coverage driven. It's almost like, just do you have coverage? Right. You know, you're with this carrier If you leave, you cannot go back with this carrier. They're not accepting new business right now, or you no longer meet their underwriting guidelines. So what can we do to maybe bring down your price? Let's look at deductibles. Let's look at this. Let's look at that. Let's look at discounts because we really don't want to move you because let's say they they do an inspection. They don't like one thing. Um, and they're being very picky right now and then you get canceled. And then what, what are we going to do? Right. So it's been less about reshopping of, of really just trying to make sure that the current policy that everyone has is, is tailored perfectly and, and fits them um, so that they can keep those renewals.
1: So do you feel like most of your clientele have uh, heard the message and understand this is real? You should feel fortunate that you're getting a policy at renewal time, not just an increase in rates and you know what? You can complain all you want, but I only have one. Do they believe it when you tell them, listen, these are the only options we have. Do they now starting to believe it more and more?
0: They, they really are. You know, for a, a while, sort of at the beginning of this, people were like, "Man, you know, I yeah. don't believe I'll you. I'll shop.
1: I'll shop. Yeah, I'll, I'll look around.
0: Yeah. And, and then they'd call us back. Or unfortunately, mm-hmm. a lot of them went to farmers. Farmers was very, very low. Uh, they were priced competitively and I couldn't blame the people. You know when you're saving four or five thousand dollars a year on homeowners right. insurance,
1: not hundreds.
0: No, not hundreds. Thousands. thousands of dollars. I can't blame you. But now what's happening? Those people are calling us back because Farmers is leaving the state of Florida, and right. I can't put them back where they were because those carrier that carriers, mm-hmm. you know, change their guidelines or closed or, or whatever the case may be. Um, so mm-hmm. it it's definitely interesting. There's um, another carrier that was very, very competitively priced. And people went to that carrier and then they had over a hundred percent rate increases. Mm-hmm. And so then those people started calling us back. And then again, same situation. Sorry, I got nothing for you. You left the carrier you were with. I, I can't put you back.
1: Yeah. Um, so I want to go back to the one topic you brought up fraud. So I've heard this from several, a lot of the Florida agents that I've talked to and, so in a kind of a Cliff Notes version, give us a, an idea of, of what was the fraud that was going on mm-hmm. and what were the steps that were eventually taken to correct it?
0: Sure. Cliff Notes, that's going to be hard. Uh- I know. <laughs> So the fraud that was happening—that the multifaceted fraud—Floridians, um, no fraud. Like it is their past, suing people and fraud are their like our pastimes after Disney. It's
1: more there's more attorneys <laughs> in any other state than Florida. I, I know that's what I've been told, and I I believe that could be true.
0: I I believe that wholeheartedly. Um, there, are, it's I don't want to mess up the statistics, so I think it, it's it's eight percent of all insurance claims come from florida eight percent okay that's fine seems perfectly normal Mm -hmm. 75 percent of all litigated claims so insurance lawsuits come from florida
1: Mm -hmm. a little bit out of proportion a a little
0: bit Mm -hmm. so so the fraud really started with the roofing fraud uh, and again, I'll try to make this fast. Um, you know, Dave, you're in your house. Someone knocks on your door. They're a roofer. They claim that your neighbor had some hail damage. There had been no hailstorms, but you don't know. You were on vacation or whatever. So they're like, hey, right. I'm going to go check on your roof. You're like, great. Thanks so much. They go up on your roof. They, they've they been documented by the local news and everyone. They would maybe create the damage. They'd walk up there with cleats or take coins to your roof Or they'd come on down and show you pictures of a roof that actually weren't your roof um, with with damage. Um, Or they'd say, you know, something that was your natural wear and tear. They'd be, oh, yeah, we have a claim here. Go ahead, sign this piece of paper. It's called an assignment of benefits, but they wouldn't say that. Just sign this. We'll take care of everything for you. And what you do is you sign that piece of paper because you're an unsuspecting homeowner. You're not trying to commit insurance fraud. You're trusting this nice roofer that knocked on your door. And what has happened is you have now transferred your rights to the claim over to the roofer. So the roofer now acts on behalf of you, the insured. So a few different scenarios. They could actually start tearing out the roof before the claim adjuster can show up. Um, Or they can just say the roof is going to cost $80,000. The insurance company's like, hold up here. Let's, you know, they review it. They're like, okay, sure. Hmm. Let twenty. This roof should be twenty. No, eighty. Okay, let's meet in the somewhere in the middle. Thirty-five. Nope, eighty. So then a lien gets put on the homeowner's house, and then nothing maybe gets repaired. And and that is just the the first. Now I can't sell my home. They they, sometimes they don't even know that there's been a lien until they try to sell their home
1: because they've signed
0: away the rights of the claim to the to the roofer. Um, and then it goes into, you know, a huge majority of the claims now that are received by carriers come from lawyers. Mm-hmm. Why? <laughs> right. But they are the FNOLs are coming from lawyers. And then we've had the one way attorney fees, attorney fee multipliers. You know, we, we we thought insurance agents spoke like a weird language as is. Us Florida ones right. have like a whole other, you know, language and, and dialogue that has to go on with with all of these things that we have to keep up with. Mm-hmm. So with the attorney fee multiplier with the way that the Florida courts were set up is I could say, well, this was an unusual case, but of course there's no definition of unusual. So instead of charging my average, you know, $250 an hour, I'm now actually going to charge $700 an hour or $7,000 an hour. And so then these lawyers were charging these uh, crazy amounts Um, there's a a true case. I won't mention any names of of law firms or or carriers, but a roof claim got settled. The insured got $30,000 for the roof. Would you like to guess how much the lawyer made?
1: At least double that.
0: That's cute. $700,000.
1: Oh, funny. (laughs) Yeah. How? There's no possible way they put in that amount of time to justify that
0: they claimed is it was an unusual situation so they were able to with the attorney fee multipliers um charge what their unique situation rate was so how can carriers rate for fraud they can't you can rate for no. hurricanes florida insurance companies know how to rate for hurricanes they know what they're doing but you can't rate for for fraud and so that's what right. has ended up happening And why we've had about, it's like 12 or 13 insolvencies in the, you know, the past probably two Mm -hmm. years, um, and why the markets in you know, the tailspin that it's in, um, we have had some special sessions, the legislative sessions. And so there have been some bills that have been, um, passed, um, that are, are a huge step in the right direction. So assignment of benefits, no longer, you no longer do that. Um, there's some also caps on the, um, attorney fee multipliers, the one-way attorney fees, um, and some other things that I think are going to make a big difference. But, um, right before all of them, all of these statutes came, um, went into play or became legal, um, they filed thousands and thousands of lawsuits, thousands, I think Morgan mm-hmm. and Morgan alone. This was
1: last year, right? Uh, this when year. That this Earlier year. this year,
0: yep. I think Morgan okay. and Morgan so alone still filed twenty five thousand. Insurance Journal had a headline. It's like twenty five thousand lawsuits mm-hmm. from Morgan and Morgan alone. So that slows down the process of things returning to normal because now all of those lawsuits have to go through the system and you know work their, their way out. So it's going to be a while before we really see carriers um, making a profit again.
1: So and and from my viewpoint, the people who suffer the most are not just the policy owners. But it's the whole in general public, yes, because the court system now has to deal with this burden that they didn't have before. Mm-hmm. So who pays for that? The taxpayers. So it's just a vicious circle that just doesn't seem to have an end to it uh, until your legislature takes f- final care of it. And it once this backlog gets worked out, what do you think the system be like? Are you back to 100% where you should be Mm. or three-fourths or halfway? You think you're a good way towards getting back to normal, whatever that is?
0: Great question. Uh, I wish I had a crystal ball. I don't think we're going to be back to what we were before. I I think we we have a new normal. Um, I think things will get better. There's been a lot of talk of new companies coming into Florida, mm-hmm. which is sort of what we need. Um, right. So I think we'll start to see that towards the end of this year and, and definitely 2024, um, and mm-hmm. that will really um, help the marketplace. But, of course, those carriers cannot come in and price things super-duper low to buy the marketplace because mm-hmm. that begins a vicious cycle that we've all seen they, before.
1: It won't be here tomorrow. Exactly. And so, yeah. So, so the state's gotta the state's gotta control that when it comes to reviewing and and uh, approving rates
0: yeah and they and they do i mean all the rates have to be approved by the the uh, office right. of insurance regulation, but still over the years we've seen it where you know someone comes in come priced really low and then of course those renewals start going really high and then two years later they're no longer in business it it happens
1: mm-hmm so have you seen any new carriers come in yet still there
0: soon. there was one i think that has come into the marketplace um, another one was sort of created out of the uh, skeletons of some other carriers <laughs> um but i think really only one brand new that that i can think of off the top of my head
1: are you yourself your agency able to write with them yet
0: we are not appointed with them. Um, okay. We are very cautious about who we get appointed with. Um, we don't want you. to have every market out there. We have very strong relationships with the carriers that we do have, which I think has put us in the trajectory of the success that we've had is because of those relationships. Um, and we do our due diligence. We really look at the financials of the carriers. Um, if if you just have the bare minimum, something like, I don't know, 20 million to open an insurance company. I don't want to be uh, appointed with you. That's that's not mm-hmm. who I'm looking for, which right. has really helped. We've actually dealt with only over the past year and a half or so, only two insolvencies in the agency. Um, and one of them ended up being purchased by another company. So really we've only handled one insolvency. I know care um, agencies that have had three going on at one time in their agency that mm-hmm. they've had to deal with. And we just didn't sign up with a lot of those smaller companies. Um, and and so i think that that sort of set us up for the success that we've had we haven't had yeah. to deal with a lot of that so just because they're new in the marketplace does not mean we're going to sign up with them right away
1: right right i almost feel like the state of florida and your the the state of the insurance industry in florida has been in a hard market for as long as i can remember <laughs> you know the rest of the country talks about it now and you know they're talking about the woes of it, but also the opportunity of it, mm. because there are tremendous opportunities, exponentially more than like what you would see in a normal market. So and we don't have a time to talk about what are all those opportunities and how do you approach them and all that. But that would take all day long or, or a week. But some of those uh, play out in terms of getting involved in your industry. And that's one of the topics that you're, you're going to talk about at innovation in October in Chicago. So give us a glimpse of what your presentation is gonna sound like.
0: Definitely. Um, So yes, it's being involved in your industry, but then also making sure that you and your team are the most educated on top of everything that you can be. So the the name of my class is called Average Ain't Much. And that was uh, something Harry Levine used to always say. Average ain't much, and it's true. So, what can we do as an agency to set ourselves above and beyond? Um, we don't want to be average. We want to be the best agency that there is. So, that includes, you know, doing additional designations and um, allowing f- licensures for our team members. We financially support that. We uh, support them with time. We want them to get, you know, uh, more licenses and designations. It, it gives them a, a sense of accomplishment. It of course helps, you know, their day to day job performance. Um, it's great for morale. We want them to feel like this is a career. You're in it for the long haul. You want to be. We want you to be with us for the long haul. So we really want to develop and invest in our, our team members. And then it has that trickle down effect of where we are able to properly educate our customers. Um, so they know what's going on. So they, they know when we say that this is the only option for you, they, they know that they can trust us because we've explained things really, really well. So sort of a mix of what do we do in the agency to push education and to be the best we can be and then how being really involved in the industry, those two things just go hand in hand to, to the success that we've had.
1: I applaud you for that because it, it likens to me one of my mentors. Early on, when I jumped into this industry, he said, My job as a manager or a leader is to build more leaders. Yeah. And that seems to be your philosophy is like, we're not just looking to have CSRs uh, stay with us for two or three years and then move on. We're looking to build uh, potential agency owners, you know, and folks who want to be in this industry not as a job, but as a career, and be proud that what they're doing is helping their community, their clientele, uh, the industry as a whole, and uh, they're playing an an important role, not just here to punch a clock nine to five and take a paycheck home. So I applaud you for that because if more agencies did what you are doing and taking that approach, we would build our industry up even more to a higher level of integrity. Mm-hmm. And I can't I can't find anybody in our business who wouldn't say integrity is the most important aspect of doing business. Um, so I've always believed that, and I think most everybody should if they don't already. So Julie, I appreciate you. You've been terrific. Thank you for joining us. Uh, we're looking forward to hearing you on stage in Chicago at Innovation 23. So if you're an IOA member and have not yet bought your ticket to attend Innovation 23, it's real easy. Go to IOA.com, click on Innovation 23 and get your ticket uh, because on Tuesday, uh, August 1st, the price has gone up. So don't miss out on the on the uh, lower price. Point on your ticket. Julie, thank you for joining us today. It's been a pleasure. You've enlightened us about the state of the industry in Florida. What a crazy r- wild ride you're on right now. And I know you're going to get back to more normal times if there can be such a thing. So thank you for joining us. And uh, we appreciate having you on.
0: Thank you so much, Dave. I look forward to seeing you and everyone else in Chicago.
1: Awesome. Thanks. Take care. Bye-bye.
0: Bye. Thank you for listening to CollabCast with IAOA with Captain Dave Jackson. Production and distribution by PodSquad.fm, Riverside.fm, and Spotify for podcasters. Special thanks to Little Dog Social Media, Terry Champion, and all our guests and listeners. If you're an independent insurance agency owner, please subscribe to our podcast weekly. You can also request to join our agency owner exclusive Facebook group, IAOA or Insurance Agency Owners Alliance at iaoa.com. Captain Dave Jackson signs out from sunny Hendersonville, Tennessee.